3: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
3: Download the app to get free delivery on your first 3 orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Anthony Heron on 670 the score.
1: I am your voice. This is Anthony Herron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Coming to you on a Friday night. It is party night. I mean, I tend to tend to call Thursday night party night, but the weekend is legitimately here on this Friday. I am I am caffeinated, which is not a not a constant for me. So I am more than excited. I am abundantly excited for these couple hours I got with you this evening had a great time listening to Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, my guy Jim Miller on um, Bears All-Access. Feels like the football season is approaching and upon us, so that is exciting, no doubt. And, uh, I don't know, probably a little more exciting because I'm full of coffee. I got up got up super early this morning. like I, I do my Big Ten show in the mornings over on Sirius XM channel 372, so I do that every weekday morning. And so normally I wake up. It's a it's what is it, seven to ten a.m. Central. So i normally wake up maybe around six thirty, something like that, just to make sure I got myself got myself set, got the crust out of my eyes before I hit the air. Woke up like four thirty this morning. And it was one of those things where I, I tried to roll over for a minute and I I like squinted my eyes really hard and tried to wrestle myself back to sleep. And I've never been great at going back to sleep when I wake up early. And uh but you know, having a having a toddler, having a three year old that that has enhanced my ability to to either take a nap in the middle of the day because I've normally been a horrible napper throughout my life, but I can occasionally force myself to take a nap here and there. And in some circumstances, when I get up early in the morning, I can kind of force myself back to sleep. Just wasn't happening today, so I did know that today was going to be a coffee day. I'm up to about. I'd say conservatively, a good five cups a week now. Uh, Sean Anderson on the ones and twos. I don't know if you're a big time coffee drinker. Are you you a caffeinated guy, Sean? Do you tend to partake?
0: I don't know if coffee has like a true effect on me, but I drink a lot of pop, and it's a horrible habit. So if I'm if I'm if I have a choice (laughs) or a drink of choice, it'd be Diet Coke.
1: Really, see that that strikes me as odd. I'm I'm a little bit the opposite. I don't know that pop has a big effect on me caffeine wise. Maybe it does. I just I don't drink a lot of pop. I I suppose, as I just noted, I don't necessarily drink a lot of coffee yet either, but more than I ever have. I'm I'm up to, like I referenced, five cups or or so a week. So almost every day during the week, I'll have a cup of coffee. I had one today. Pop, I don't really have that frequently. The carbonation, I mean, I like the taste of it and all. Every once in a while, like actually over the weekend, over that that last holiday weekend, after I just had a bunch of barbecue, just had that taste of charcoal in my mouth, I did have a taste for some pop at the end of the day there for whatever reason. But uh but yeah, more often than not, it's water, juice, and uh, and apparently coffee at this point. So wide awake. Uh e- even though I've been uh been a bit awake and alert all throughout the day today. Had some running around I was doing during the day here too, like a, a number of the Chicago sports teams kind of kinda scrambling a little bit at this point. We we're gonna talk plenty of Cubs on the show today. Uh, the White Sox are, are rolling; they're balling right now. So when I was on the other night, kind of focused on the White Sox since they had a day game that day. But White Sox are, are doing their thing at the moment, so we will allow them to partake of, of their splendor in first place. But uh, so it, it'll be a Cubs focused show tonight. Some Bears later on too, and a little bit of ho- hoopage that I'll I'll describe later on how we want to talk some basketball later in the show. But um, a, a quick PSA while it's while it's in my head. Well, it's on my heart, let's say I, I did. Well, I mentioned I was running around earlier today and while I was working my way through the city after I did some things earlier in the day and I wanted to get this real ID thing taken care of. And for those of you who don't know, the, the system is actually going to adjust. We're having a driver's license. You'll It'll be fine. You'll You'll be able to continue having a regular driver's license if you want that. But the expectation is that at some point people will... We'll begin transitioning to this real id which for travel purposes will be necessary all uh, right necessary might be an overstatement if you don't have a real id you're going to be expected to have a passport instead of that now for me i i'm going to get super busy during the football season that is my my busiest time of the year with the various gigs that i that i tend to hold down and i do a lot of traveling during the football season so i figure let me go out Run out get this real ID thing taken care of, even though the deadline has been extended. You don't actually have to have a real ID until, what is it, like May of 2023 at this point. Driver's licenses, they, they've extended that deadline too. Like even if your license has expired, you're good until January. You, you got until, until the, this calendar year turns. So you're pretty much all good no matter what you got right now. I'm just trying to get some stuff, you know, squared up, taken care of because, you know, in roughly a month, I'm kind of off the radar and don't do anything but but be sports guy, football guy. So I'm just trying to get some stuff lined up before I hit that point in my personal calendar. So I go up to the Secretary of State's office. I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to head up there on State Street, get that done, take care of that real quick, go over there, walk in the door. And now I've checked the website. Website says, hey, show up here between the hours of 8 and 5, you're good. Go up there looking for Jesse White so he can stamp me for his real ID. They got a big, like, cardboard cutout thing in the doorway saying, nope, Actually, not here. You got to go over to the Thompson Center if you want to get this taken care of, which my wife had actually said she thinks it's probably the Thompson Center. I said, hey, you might be right. I looked at the website, though. The website said go to State Street, so that's where I'm headed. I take the train up to State Street. Sure enough, wifey's right. No, you, you got go to go to the Thompson Center. So I walk over there. John building, of course. They got like three security guards protecting what's essentially the Fort Knox of Chicago. It's, it's an enormous place with an oddly shaped place. By the way, as well, for those of you who maybe haven't been in Thompson Center any time recently. So I go in there, take that out, ask him where I need to, do- to go. God stops me before I really go anywhere significant. Says, well, actually, if you're looking for a real ID, you need to get here before, like, 2 o'clock. Because they got, like, 15 monitors for about 3,000 people who roll in here every day looking for a real ID. So if you come after 2 o'clock, pretty much SOL. So that was me today. I got there after 2 o'clock. I was out of luck. So no real ID for me yet. But that is your public service announcement. If you want a real ID, if that's something you're going to pursue, just keep that in mind. Don't go to the Secretary of State's office downtown on State Street. And if you are going to go to the Thompson Center, try to make it there before two. because They have like a set amount of tickets that they give out. Once they're out of that, then you're not getting a real ID that day. Nobody else is getting it. So just a a word to the wise. And I suppose another word to the wise, don't, don't just rely on the website because that'll mislead you like it misled me. Um, One individual who has not been misleading Cubs fans as of late, Chicago sports fans in general, is the general manager of the Chicago Cubs, the decision maker, Jed Hoyer. He has been as upfront, as honest as any sports executive I can think of in recent memory in this town about what's going on and how they want it to go down, which I've been thoroughly impressed by his approach to that, his truth-telling, if you will. And not only did he address the assembled media yesterday, but he was specifically on with my guy Loho a little while before Cubs pregame started up this afternoon. So if you didn't hear it live, if you haven't been on the Odyssey app yet, you haven't heard that but there's some good stuff between Lawrence Holmes and Jed Hoyer. So we will take a time out. We'll come back and let you hear a little bit from Jed Hoyer, specifically about the current and future state of the Chicago Cubs. We'll do that next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.
0: Fans are standing at Wrigley. Here comes the O2 on the way. Strike three call. Cubs win the ballgame. Edmund caught looking at a backdoor bender. And the Cubs have taken the opener over St. Louis by a score of 10 to 5.
1: It was a good news day. And a good news couple of days when you really look at it through a certain lens on the Chicago baseball scene. White Sox somehow, in the midst of all this winning, had constantly been getting bad news and then kind of poof, out of nowhere. Eloy Menez is going to be back by the end of the month, the way it sounds, and he was all giddy when he addressed the assembled media yesterday, so that was nice to hear. But certainly on the north side of things, man, losing, uh, what was it, 11 straight, then finally getting a dub and then getting blown out and blanked as, as guys were sitting on the pine yesterday. Nice to see the Cubs respond today. So that was a, a well-played effort by them and a, a good win for the Cubs as they took down in, in what, you know, when you think back to maybe not the offseason, I think at least for, for me and, and certain folks who, who kind of had a certain impression of how the Cubs season was going to go, but certainly as things got rolling and the Cubs were flirting with first place in the division and then attaining first in the division, then a few weeks ago, hell, what, two weeks ago? this series against St. Louis heading into the All-Star break. You know, all right, you got the rivalry with the cards. You're going to go to the All-Star break and this is going to be something that's going to feel really important. And now at this point, there's a level of gravity to this series with St. Louis right now, but it's very different because the gravity has, it is just tinged with all kinds of finality to it. And even though I think so many folks in, in rooting for and, and, you know, living and dying with, with every game and and just fantasizing about what the potential for the, the Cubs, for the core, for everything that came out of 2016, what it could have been over the last handful of years. Now that Jed Hoyer has, has come out and essentially pronounced that, yes, it is, it is officially over the for sale sign is out in front of Wrigley then it, it just it does have this tinge of finality to it that you know I I wonder how that portion will play out in the in the days and weeks to come. The excitement that was there today at Wrigley when Chris Bryant took the field and and had the opportunity for the pinch hit. And I mean it's still a tight game at that point. What was it like four two in the seventh? Uh but, you know, he took full advantage of it. So I mean it's cool the Cubs are I believe they're still undefeated at home against St. Louis this season. Had Javi Baez, who everybody thought wasn't going to play with the thumb. Then, like, shortly before the game, here's Javi in the lineup. He's trending, and, you know, he goes to Rossi and says he's feeling good after he tested things out. Then, like I referenced, you got the Bryant moment at the bottom of the seventh. You had Patrick Wisdom, you know, new kid on the block. Well, you know, new old kid on the block, Uh, you know, with his two-run bomb there. And so there there were just a lot of really fun elements in the game. And, you know, Book Shambi, he said it to to Danny and Matt, to Parkinson Spiegel a couple of different times earlier this season that it it makes a difference when the Cubs are scoring runs, just how much energy, how much juice there is in the building, how much juice there is in his call. So them getting blanked yesterday, a little different than them putting up a, a 10 spot today. But before any of that took place, Jed Hoyer was on with Loho today. He was on Lawrence Holmes this afternoon and uh, and we played a a number of the comments that Jed made yesterday to the assembled media essentially pronouncing that the for sale sign was up over at Wrigley and um, he took the opportunity and it's of course a great gift for the station and and Lawrence has, has done so many great interviews with Cubs Brass over the years so good for Jed to spend some time with Lawrence today and they pretty much had somewhat of a quick few minutes, about a 10-minute interview that Lawrence did before Cubs pregame began before the game today, and one of the first things he he covered was a little bit of a retrospective, just talking a bit about how different as as we all see this this next round of what Jed Hoyer doesn't want to call a rebuild, he's terming terming it more of a a roster restructure essentially. <laughs> Uh, so he doesn't want to use the term rebuild, but how different is the position the Cubs are in now than when Jed and Theo first got here before?
3: Yeah, well, I, mean, I think when we walked in, in in 2012, you know I think we, we, we realized that this was going to be a really long process to get to get good and we, we just didn't feel like we had you know the right pieces together. We needed to sort of, you know gather a wave of, of prospects and, and bring in through slowly. And you know to be honest when we sort of embarked on that, on that plan. And it wasn't the plan we had had going in, but it was more of the plan. We, we realized we needed, needed to do once we assess things, you know, when we, when we did that, you know, we, it, we actually probably got through it faster than we thought, you know, I think we ended up being having, you know, winning 97 games in, in 2015. I think that, you know, we would not have expected that at the time we felt like we we're going through a, a pretty long rebuilding process. And now I think with the, you know, with the, the, the players we have and, 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 and stuff like that, I, I don't see any reason why, this needs to be, you know, a long process like that. That was very, that was very different. We didn't have any building blocks uh, on the team at that point that we knew about, um, and so uh, it was a much longer process. I think now, uh, not only with um, what we have already internally, but also with, you know, the kind of trends in the game, you know, that's not something that we're about to embark on.
1: And that that pretty much directly addresses one of the, what I think is one of the seminal questions of what what we're going to be witnessing here in the weeks to come with with what gets unloaded and, and frankly what we began to witness this past offseason with the Cubs because, you know, while Kyle Schwarber, we, we saw the, the immense power bat talent that Kyle Schwarber has. We, we've seen that on display with the Nationals this season when he's been healthy and there were certainly flashes of that with the Cubs, none more prominent than, of course, the, the World Series but when you get rid of Kyle Schwarber, when you don't bring back John Lester, when you trade away you Darvish, the moves that are made over the off season that certainly indicate that you know the, these guys are some of our best players and our most dependable players and a couple of the guys who were who were key cogs in the World Series and they're no longer here then that clock that a lot of us have been talking about ticking for a couple of seasons within the championship window and within what the core could accomplish, then that was certainly the the biggest and, and most drastic sign that the window is that the, the franchise is recognizing coming off the pandemic and quote unquote biblical losses and everything else that that championship window while maybe still ajar with what remained, but certainly was no longer widening. Was was no longer opening. It was beginning to close. If it had not yet closed. And so, Jed, in addressing that today, is essentially just, you know, was just talking to Lawrence, and I think that's the indication that while we've been wondering, okay, what will this rebuild look like? What are the goals of this rebuild? There does seem to be indication in the way that Jed Hoyer is phrasing things there with Lawrence, that this is going to be at least the plan. The goal is for it to be a much quicker. Restructuring a much quicker reformation of the roster than what we saw the first time around when, when Theo Epstein, Jed Horror came in and just tore it all down to build it all back up. So I think Cubs fans should take solace in, in that element of it. But I've been talking a lot over the last few months here, even while the Cubs were ascending towards first in the division. And when they were in first in the division, there's still going to be some hard decisions that had to be made. And that was, you know, before even, you know, I certainly didn't predict they were going to go on an 11-game skid and what that would potentially mean. But now that they are well out of it, there will still be all sorts of emotion. We, we saw some of that emotion when John Lester came back to Wrigley, when Kyle Schwarber came back to Wrigley. Today, as Chris Bryant is the, the pinch hitter in a key moment and, and hits a rocket off the wall that nearly left the park, The emotion that's tied up in these players is real. And Jed Hoyer is going to be the one who's who's tasked. He is the one who's tasked with determining whether or not their future will still be here in Chicago or if it's going to be elsewhere and what they get in return. And that was one of the things, how how to compartmentalize some of the, the decisions that are going to have to be made here.
3: the hardest, the hardest, the biggest challenge with that, people always talk about early deals and people talk about, you know, striking quickly. Um, But it it takes two things. It takes a team that's willing to sort of be aggressive early. Um, And, and also, you know, it takes, and it takes a willing partner. And like, there's a reason why those deals don't happen that that often. And we were pretty fond of doing those deals. You know, when we were uh, rebuilding, we would, we would do deals in early July, but it took, Baltimore being really aggressive on Feldman. You know, it took Oakland being really aggressive on, on Samarjan Hamill. And so if you have an aggressive shooter, you can do those deal deals early. But I think that, that 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 doesn't happen that often. And so I think you, you sort of tend to expect that deals are going to trend kind of late, you know, towards the the you know the, the last third of the month.
1: And so the timing of the trade is certainly going to end up being a big deal there. Sean, do we have the one as well where he's talking about how how he's he's not going to be able to – he's not going to make decisions based off sentiment and how those decisions will have to be compartmentalized in a certain way. One second. Okay. Well, just let me know when we got it because I think specifically for Jed, the role that he's in right now because Theo's gone and Theo pretty much left at the time when these decisions were going to have to be made. There's one thing I was talking about a bit when when Theo first made the announcement that that he was moving on a year early, essentially that Theo's kind of getting out, not necessarily when the getting's good, but before the getting got real bad, before the getting got real rough. You know, Theo helped to build things up and was, of course, the main decision maker in getting them to that point, ending the second curse. You know, I mean, there's a lot of – There's a lot of good favor for Theo Epstein in my household, my wife being a Red Sox fan and me being a Chicagoan and all those things. But I think that now that Theo's gone and it's all about what Jed is going to do. And so there is all kinds of emotion tied up in these things. And he did mention that. He addressed that when Lawrence asked him specifically about how you go about compartmentalizing the the various sides of the brain where some will be tied with emotion, but some will have a, a real sort of fiscal responsibility to the ball club.
3: We have a ton of guys that obviously did, did something that hasn't been done here, uh, hadn't been done here, you know, in 108 years. And I think that, you know, obviously you'd never want to lose sight of that. Not only the World Series, but also just a lot of really competitive seasons and, you know, some really high highs and some, you know, obviously you know, tough losses in the playoffs or at the end of the year. But like this group, you know, as a, as a whole has been, you know, wildly successful um, and yeah, I think that you, you you certainly want to honor what they've done. I think you know these are iconic players. I'm looking at it, you know, Gallagher Way right now from my office, and there's you know plenty of jerseys of, of guys that you know helped us win the World Series and are our fan favorites. But ultimately, you know, m- my job is to, you know to do what I think is the right thing for you know, the health of this franchise, and you know I, I want to make sure that we can build. To that next great Cubs team, and I think when you look at you know um, service time of players, you know we always talked about you know we had a window where we had these players that were young and inexpensive, and they got more expensive through arbitration, and then some of these guys hit free agency, and you know realistically we've been probably the most stable roster in baseball over the last seven years. We've had the same guys. That lack of turnover is really rare, and I think we have some inevitable turnover that's probably going to happen now with guys hitting free agency and guys getting. A little bit older, you know. We need to. It's a young person's game. We need to make sure we have a lot of young talent. And we need to make sure that we're not afraid of roster turnover. You know, based on sentimentality, we have to think about you know, what what is the right thing for this, this organization long term. That means, you know, kind of com- compartmentalizing some of those things.
1: And that that's not going to be an easy thing to do. And especially when a lot of reports are saying that part of what what stalls or what has you know caused some some friction. Between Chris Bryant and the ball club is one thing that, you know, Jed used the term there, service time. And that was a big issue for Chris Bryant, his representation early. And then we are where we are right now, where you got his contract expiring, Happy Baez's contract expiring, Anthony Rizzo expiring, two years remaining on Wilson Contreras. And so we will see where things go with the Cubs catcher. But between Contreras, Kimbrell, Hendricks, of course, Brian. I mean, there there are so many different pieces that could end up being a a real, real element of, of return for this ball club if they if they end up moving some of them, all of them, none of them, and we know some are gonna move. It's just hard to know exactly who and how valuable they're gonna end up feeling. One more I want I wanna play that'll take a moment before we get to we actually got a guest coming up here in just a moment. We're gonna talk to Joe Kilgallen of the lockdown cubs podcast but i do want to hear from jed specifically on the offense which which has been such a a question such a concern in recent seasons here and specifically what jed had to say about the key elements of a successful offense
3: well i mean i I think you know for me you know i I never want to get too far away from the basics right i think that you know i still think you know getting on base is, is crucially important um but i do think that you know where uh, where the game has has changed, and that you, there's no point in denying it. Is I think that you know that having the ball in play is, is really valuable, and you know there's so many there's so much um, velocity and, and and stuff in the game now, and some some of that stuff may kick down a hair with the, the substance uh, ban or the or the, or the rules being enforced. But I mean, nonetheless, I think that you know having um, having a, a, a functional lineup does involve you know sort of a combination of of guys that you know you can except some strikeouts for guys that hit homers, but you need some guys in the, in the lineup that that can move the ball and and keep the line moving because there's, you know, it used to be that um, there wasn't that many pitchers in the game that could go out and, you know, sort of, you know, strike out guys with, with, you know, with one and guys, a second, third was going to get two strikeouts to get out of the inning. And now there's so many guys with stuff like that, that you need some, some guys in the lineup that can, that can move the ball. And I do think um, the most functional, you know, lineup we had this year was certainly uh, in May when Duffy was playing well and Nico was playing well. I feel like we were we were able to have some some better rallies and, and score and score runs at a at a more efficient clip. And you know, even when I look back on 2016, I feel like you know some of the guys in that lineup, like as or Montero or, or Dex, Decks, uh, were pretty good in those spots and pretty good at at making contact. And I think sometimes we probably got away from that a bit over the last few years. And I think that's something that's really important. So I don't want to lose sight of getting on base and to score runs but i do think that contact is is pretty critically important uh, in the modern game
1: that was jed hoyer on today with lawrence holmes you can certainly hear that full interview on the Odyssey app, or just check out the website, 670thescore.com. But more Cubs talk on the way here in the Cubs-heavy first hour of the show before we transition into a few other things here. But Joe Kilgallen of the Locked On Cubs podcast is joining me next. Get his thoughts on where things sit and where things go in the weeks to come right here on The Score.
3: My job is to make the best possible decision for the Cubs. And if that that decision is about the the present, then – You know, sometimes it's about the present and sometimes that decision is about the future. But that really is how I I view it. Like, you know, my job is sort of the main, I'm the chief baseball decision maker. And and when I, you know, every decision I make should be through the lens of like, what's the best thing for this franchise?
1: That's the voice of the Cubs, chief baseball decision maker, Jed Hoyer. Got to sound a little bit cold at times but that is how the decisions need to be made that is probably the most efficient way to go about it from a business perspective while there will definitely undoubtedly be emotions that are tied up into it certainly for fans if no one else let's go out to the circuit resort casino in las vegas hotline the home of the world's largest sports book and talk to the host of the lockdown cubs podcast that is joe kill See what Joe sits with things at the moment. It was a fun day to watch Cubs baseball. Joe, how'd you take it all in?
4: Yeah, hey, it was beautiful. Anytime you can beat the St. Louis Cardinals on a nice Friday afternoon, you got to enjoy that while you can, right?
1: Yeah, no doubt, man. And to uh, to have Javi Baez kind of be thrust back into the starting lineup just moments before the game, essentially. You got Chris Bryant coming off the pine. The pinch hit. He rockets one off the wall. So it was really cool moments. Kyle Hendricks getting a, another win and – It feels like every year we look up, and Kyle Hendricks is just being Kyle Hendricks in an underappreciated, understated fashion because he doesn't mow people down. So, with all those different elements, did it just kind of feel like, hey, this is a kind of game that can make you forget the Cubs' troubles? Were you able to?
4: I was. I was for a moment, and then, uh, being a fool that I am, I went on Twitter and immediately saw everyone saying, oh, too little, too late, forget about it, and all that stuff. (laughs) It's interesting you mentioned Hendricks, though. If you take away those two starts against Atlanta that he had in the month of April, his ERA is even lower. That team just beats him up. Throughout his career, he struggled against the hitters on the Braves, and his ERA would be right around three, even below three, if you just remove those starts, which unfortunately we can't do. Uh, Another thing, though, that Cubs fans – you have to try to, if this is the end for this core, the players that we've loved so much over these last six or seven years, you need to enjoy it as much as possible. I'm trying to preach that at every turn and everyone I talk to. they got to enjoy the rest of what could be the final weeks of our favorite players.
1: You can find Joe Kilgallen on Twitter, simply at Joe Kilgallen and the Locked On Cubs podcast at Locked On Cubs there on social media. Uh, have you been surprised the last couple of days with how, how public Jed has been about just kind of you know, staking the for sale sign right there in front of Wrigley Field and letting folks know that they're open for business?
4: I'm a little bit surprised. I thought they would have waited a little bit, maybe start making some announcements after the All-Star game. I like how forthcoming he was. I thought it was great that he kind of put a little bit of ease from my perspective as a fan, saying that, look, we're not the Pittsburgh Pirates. This isn't 2012. We don't need to go full-on rebuild because that was my fear. They have so little in payroll committed to the 2022 season that it made no sense to just completely sell everyone off. I mean, it costs – what does it cost? Uh, you know, a big-screen TV's worth to take a family of four to the Cubs game, and it's the most expensive tickets in town, and you're telling me that they can't afford free agents in the offseason while rebuilding? They could do both like a big market should.
1: And that is certainly what I've been wondering about a little bit here, because I don't, I don't think you would see, at least what's being, what's been discussed as the level of sell-off. Like you wouldn't see this with either the New York team, you wouldn't see this with one of the LA squads, but here in Chicago it's what the Cubs have at least been intimating that would be the case. So, since like you're referencing Jed has has essentially said, yeah, we're not going all the way back to 2012 mode. What do you anticipate this looks like in the weeks to come?
4: Well, I think Kimbrel's the big trade chip. He's the one that everyone anticipates to be the first to go, the domino. It's interesting because the American League teams like the Oakland A's and even the Astros, the Rays, every team can need another stud bullpen arm like Kimbrell. Do they package him with Bryant? Do they go all out and make a big steal like that and really maximize the prospect return? That's what I'm hoping for. I want them to play, you know, 3D chess if you do trade Bryant, why can't they sign him back in the offseason? Do what the Yankees Ooh. did in 2016. Remember the Yankees traded Chapman to us? They went right, right. back out and got him, which yep. maybe they're regretting now. But still, like, why can't we be let's, – let's outsmart the rest of the league and do things like that. We are the Cubs after all. And, you're, again, like, you are the most expensive tickets in baseball. They have a network that needs television ratings. Otherwise, you're going to see Eagleman commercials during Cubs broadcasts.
1: Yeah, let, let's not hate on the Eagle Man commercials. Though. I mean, they're a little outdated, but they're, they're beloved. Let, let's get some Bozo the Clown. Let's let's get, like, some grand prize games, some Eagle Man, Bob Roar, man. Like, if Tracy. that was all – yeah, just have Marquis do all the old school commercials. I'd be down for that.
4: I'll go even way back in the day. Remember Venture? I missed Venture. That was a good store.
1: Oh. I, see, we need. I need to have Sean find the uh, the theme song for the venture commercials before we get off the air tonight. Because I'm certain that was before his time. Continue my discussion here uh, with Joe Kill Gallon of the Lockdown Cubs podcast, talking about what's on the way in the weeks to come. Here, I, I wonder because Kimbrel is is certainly the piece that in the immediate future feels like it would maybe get the biggest haul, just because of the amount of teams who will need a closer and that immediate sort of impact. Where do you think? I mean, it, it feels like after a moment like Chris Bryant had today, like, I don't know, the stock up, stock down discussion with Chris Bryant seems to ebb and flow so violently. Like, Do, do you think a moment like today sort of rockets his stock back up a little bit, or do, do you feel like it's a little overstated and he, he's going to get a decent haul regardless of everything else?
4: I think he gets a decent haul regardless of anything else. I mean, this is a guy with playoff experience. He's hit big home runs in the World Series. He could play five different positions and play them well. Great clubhouse guy. I'm sure every team that's in contention is going to want a Chris Bryant. It is kind of funny, though, that, oh, he just hit a double. Quick, trade him now, that people say. And then it's like, oh, he stubbed his toe. There goes his trade value. It's not... You know, it does a yo yo up and down quite like that. I did like the moment today though. It's kinda of like a WWE thing where it's like, that's Chris Bryant's music. He comes in, rocks a double off the wall, gets taken out immediately, sits back with the boys, puts the hat up a little bit, chewing some gum. You know, it looked cool. But I don't I think you're gonna get a big re- you should get a big return for him regardless, even though he is still a rental. And I think fans do need to understand that the market is a lot different in twenty twenty one than say it was been five or six years ago. A lot of teams are still kind of playing it cheap. They're, they're worried about a strike next season. They might be a little reluctant to give up big prospects for a two-month player.
1: Well, aside from the discussion of, of who's most likely to go, out of the, the core stars whose contracts are either up this offseason or I'll throw Wilson Contreras into the mix with a, an additional year remaining on his deal, who do you think is least likely to be sort of excised from the north side?
4: I want to believe Anthony Rizzo would be the least likely. And really? it's Yeah, I would hope so. I know he was upset about the contract extension that was offered late in spring, and he didn't want to negotiate because it was kind of a low-ball offer. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they write that wrong, because even though Anthony, yes, he's on the wrong side of 30, the back seems to flare up a couple times a season, Although he's, he's played at least 150 games every year, there's been a full season since 2015. So I feel like that's slightly overblown. Anthony Rizzo is a guy who has done everything right for your organization. Everything. He, like, he spends his spare time at children's hospitals. I mean, this guy is amazing. And I would be okay with him even not living up to the back end of a four or five-year deal because sometimes you have to show loyalty to almost recruit future free agents to say, hey, come join the Cubs family. We take care of our own.
1: How about Chet Stedman? I mean, uh, Andrew Chafin. Do you think there's much there's of a chance that uh, that he gets moved as well because of his, his performance he's had at this point?
4: I mean, yes. But Here's the thing, too. Like, you know, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, but I have to be practical, too. I would love to see Chafin around a long time. But outside of Kimbrel and KB, he might have the third most value, being a left-handed mm-hmm. reliever who has an option for next year, a very affordable one. You know, I, I saw he had a tweet that he wanted to buy a boat, and I remember thinking, I wouldn't buy a boat too quickly. You know, uh, <laughs> you might want to wait on that one, Andrew. Uh, I'm reading the writing on the wall. I don't want to see him leave. He's a fun guy, and he's been dominant, but I would anticipate he would he's probably gone by the deadline, too, sadly.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe one of the Bay Area squads, if San Francisco's looking for some extra reliever help, you know, get get another guy to the pen. He can use the boat out there in the Bay Area. Maybe he doesn't buy it and use it. On Lake Michigan, here. Who knows? Uh, I'm, yeah, I, I do. That's true. <laughs> I do find myself wondering a bit about the reaction, what what to expect, because Cubs fans, all of us evaluating this team, have have looked at this essentially this deadline for this year with these expiring deals and with the money that's been spent, and frankly, with the frustration of certain seasons that didn't see deep postseason runs in this window. What do you think, after we get past the trade deadline, after whatever moves are going to be made or made by Jed Hoyer, how do you see the collective reaction of Cubs fans playing out with some of their favorite players, the guys who ended the curse, when they're no longer here?
4: I believe we're going through the five stages of Greece. I really do, and I think... Anger is going to be the strongest one of those stages and the most prolonged, but I think we'll eventually get to acceptance. I think there's just no way that anyone's going to be happy, and, and rightfully so. I mean, that's part of why we love sports. You know, you fall in love with the players, but at the end of the day, you truly love the team. And I think we might get to the point where we're like, all right, well, if, you know, I, I was mad Shoreberg, didn't tender a contract, but I'm incredibly happy for him now. So if we see our favorite players, as long as they're not wearing a Cardinals or White Sox uniform, I think we'll be okay with them helping other teams in the postseason. But in the same regard, there's not going to be a big enough return. Whatever the big prospects are going to be, we're still going to think to ourselves, why couldn't we just pony up the money for these guys and then build around them? Because this year, yes, there's been some ups and downs with the players. But for the most part, these guys have been good. They've been really good. Maybe not super superstar, but why not fill around them? Letting go of Nick Castellanos was a mistake. Not uh, shoring up the bullpen when they had a chance two seasons ago was a mistake. Trading you Darvish was a mistake. They could have kept him and still been under the luxury tax. So that's where the frustration is going to be the rest of the season. And then maybe come you know the off season when we make a big splash for agent signing, hopefully we'll, you know, have some optimism again. But it's going to be a lot of anger regardless of uh, what we get back in the trades.
1: Before I let you run, I am curious then, just sort of big picture-wise, how how will you view this, this stretch, this – I won't call it a dynasty because it was even one championship appearance, but this era of Cubs baseball that we've seen for the last five, six years?
4: You know, I'm always going to look back on it fondly. I know a lot of people will be disappointed they didn't win more than one – but it's not like any other teams were repeating during the window. I mean, the Dodgers, of, of course, are the cream of the crop in the National League. But the Cubs still, if you would have told me before the 2015 season, these next seven seasons, we're going to win a World Series, go to the NLCS three times, go to the playoffs five out of seven years, I would have been thrilled. I would have been absolutely thrilled. And even though it ends with disappointment, I still, it doesn't take away what happened. I know a lot of people kind of look at the recent you know the recency bias of being like oh we should have done more we should have done more you don't want to live your life like that everyone you really try to look back in 2016 enjoy the heck out of it and try to hope that the organization is smart enough to rebuild and spend and spend the right way and draft and develop the right way so we can continue and it's not another 100 years because i'll always love the 2016 cubs in this era of baseball
1: mm, that is a very half full and a very adult Way to look at this thing, Joe Kilgown. I very much appreciate you joining me tonight, man. That perspective will be one that I think is going to be very useful for Cubs fans as some moves start getting made here, man.
4: I, I hope so. I hope that helps people uh, ease their minds, ease their
1: tensions, and tries to accept
4: uh, a sad reality. But, again, you don't need to look back uh, in anger, you know. And I, I thank you for having me on your program. early really a big fan of yours.
1: All right, that is Joe Kilgallen of the Locked on Cubs podcast. Appreciate you, Joe, and uh, go on. Enjoy that weekend now that your Friday has officially begun. I got an hour to go with you here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. So what I'm going to do in a couple of minutes here after this timeout, I'm going to stick with a little bit of Cubs but morph that into some football talk. Let's talk about the teams that were essentially one and done, The, the teams who had dynastic potential but didn't quite make that happen in the midst of some extended success. going to make a comp for you, make a comparison between the Cubs and another great Chicago team. We'll do that next year. I'm Anthony Heron. This is The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
2: when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.